Hey there, geek fans. Welcome back to another exciting episode of The Raving Geeks. Today we'll be talking about Ryan Johnson hoping to direct a new trilogy of Star Wars films, Amazon greenlighting a Lord of the Rings TV series, and how to be a geek without breaking the bank in light of the Fantasticon, which recently came to Mount Pleasant. I am one of your co-hosts, Jordan Hermony. And I'm Steve Team, and your other co-host. And this is The Raving Geeks. So to kick us off, Steve, I know that we just kind of introduced it in our intro segment. Um, so Ryan Johnson wanted to do a new trilogy of Star Wars films. Yeah, this was confirmed a couple days ago. Uh, it's going to be separate from like the main Skywalker saga. So like the 7, 8, and 9. And then the way I, I took it is they're going to take a break between like this new trilogy and then like episodes like 10, 11, and 12, which they'll inevitably do. Mm-hmm. So this will be like our trilogy to like kind of distance between those two. And basically it was the, like the whole article was like, it's going to be new characters in a new part of the galaxy that we've never seen before. So I guess, and there's been a lot of discussion about what that might look like. A lot of people said like the old Republic possibly, because that's one of the things that the fans have been screaming to make canon since Disney took the wheel. So... I feel like that would be really cool, but I feel like they're also, it's hard to, like, look at something and be like, oh, well, like, you had so much old stuff that, like, you could have done. Uh, so I know, like, I'm personally a huge uh, proponent of, like, the Clone Wars and, like, Clone Wars, the the TV show, the animated TV show. Yeah. And I feel like there was so much there that, like, we could also impress upon and, like, also because I'm a major Ahsoka Tano, like, fan. Um, I would kill for her to be involved in this somehow. But so is it looking like they're going to do... Like, has anything actually been released in terms of, like, present, past, future? In terms future? of what it is, no. There hasn't been any details on that. They just said it's going to be a new trilogy, not related to the Skywalkers, new characters. And they said, like, different part of the galaxy, but that doesn't really make sense because it would have to relate back somehow. So, I mean, like, the question, I guess, like, the big question at this point is, like, the scale. Are they going to go, like, Jedi and starships smashing into each other or, like... A few years ago, there was um, George Lucas wrote a TV show called like Star Wars Underworld or something, and it was like about like the seedy underworld of Coruscant, where like they can't see the sun, and it's just like it's kind of like a Blade Runner okay. vibe, I guess. The sound of it was, and it was like smugglers and bounty hunters and all like the people that aren't Jedi and don't have magical powers running around, right? And it was like a gritty like crime type thing. So that that might be a cool thing for them to go back to, I think. Now, or, who directed Rogue One? I'm blanking right Gareth now. Gareth Edwards. He okay. did Godzilla. Okay, okay. Because I just know that that was one of, like, the biggest, like, pulls for Rogue One was it was like, hey, look, we're doing a movie where there are, like, no Jedi, um, mm-hmm. you know, until Darth Vader jumped on the scene and stole the show. But um, I'm wondering if doing something like that would would maybe shoot him in the foot because wasn't that also one of the biggest, like, criticisms of Rogue One too? is that it was just, like, I don't pay to see, you know, my – you know, desperate housewives like in space or I don't play to see, you know, I'm, I'm blanking on, oh, Days of Our Lives or something yeah. like that. Just some like soap opera, like drama type I mean, of thing. I mean, you go to see Star Wars to, to see like space battles and you go to star, see Star Wars to see like Jedi and, and the Force and stuff like that. Yeah, but, I'm one of those people that did kick Rogue One a lot because okay. like real quick, there's like none of the characters in, are interesting other than the ones that we already know. So when they die, we don't care. So basically, you wasted the whole movie with these bland nobodies running around, and then, oh no, they're all getting killed separately. And they're supposed to be this gang, and it's a cool heist film. 
but it really wasn't. I would raise you that it would be really cool to see some type of tie-in from Rogue One to almost make you care more about these characters, like give you more of a backstory because... Oh, I am blanking on their names, but but the two older guys, um, the guys, the who blind de- guy, defended and, the temple. Yeah, yeah, the temple guys, because like I feel like that kind of like fall from grace almost, especially um, not not the not the blind uh, individual who believed in the force. I wish I could remember their names right now. Exactly, that's my criticism. Nobody can remember their names because they're bland nobody. There was never actually any type of introduction like to them, yeah. really. I mean, they said their names really quickly, like kind of off screen. Whereas yeah. like Cassian and Jin kind of had these like Jin. Almost every scene was like, "I'm the daughter of Galen Erso." Like yeah. almost every scene. So like you, you literally could not forget her name, right. or at least like who she was supposed to be. Cassian, um, I think because K two would say his name so many times of like referring back to him in the same way that like 3PO is like, oh, Master Luke or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, uh, but it's, it's really bothering me. I can't remember their names, but that would actually raise my point of somehow tying them into the new, tri- blah, the new trilogy if that actually pulls through. Because, you know, we could end up like talking all day about this and then ending up, you know, it going into development yeah. hell and yeah. never actually seeing the light of day, which uh, I'm actually surprised. Have you heard much fan feedback about that? Like like the the idea of Ryan Johnson coming out with a new Star Wars. Um, I th- just because there hasn't been a whole lot revealed about it, and the Last Jedi is not out. Mm-hmm. Everybody's kind of like, yeah, okay, and this must mean that Disney is super happy with how the Last Jedi has turned out. Like, because they've probably seen it and they're like, wow, good job. You want to direct three more? And then he's like, yeah. So. <laughs> I, I truly wish that people could see your face when you just did that yeah right now because it was just very just like very just like Barbie-esque just like yes sure um, but no I I guess that is a good point I don't know I've seen from like my friends who've talked about it that they're just kind of like oh wow cash cow Disney yeah. at it again like mm-hmm. not willing to just like let Star Wars die although I would raise you that like feel like even if Disney wasn't involved with that I feel like Star Wars would, would I don't not think it would never die die um, but Speaking of things possibly dying, probably not though. Um, Gal Gadot, Gadot. Yeah, Gal Gadot. Uh, there was this, another article I saw the other day, and she said she'll only sign on for more DC movies as Wonder Woman if Warner Brothers kicks Brett Ratner out because he's a scumbag. Who? He's... So, so for those for those listening who don't know much about why Brett Ratner is a scumbag, would you care to elaborate? I can try. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, Hollywood and DC for that matter, not DC Comics, Washington, DC. Um, (laughs) Apparently everybody uh, is sexually harassing women or sexually assaulting women at some point, and there have been a lot of allegations on a lot of people, uh, Harvey Weinstein, Louis C.K., Brian Singer, a bunch of actors, a bunch of politicians. Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Oh, yeah, big time. Kevin Spacey, who is an actor and a politician on TV. yeah. Um, but so Brett Ratner. So Brett Ratner um, was involved. I'm not 100 percent sure in what capacity, but a lot with Wonder Woman and with uh, the DC movies. And Gal Gadot said that until he is out, she will not do anything Wonder Woman related because he's a scumbag, and she is real big into uh, women empowerment, as she should, because she's Wonder Woman. So I think that's pretty good because DC is, like, you know the DC execs are like, well, we can't 
lose her because Wonder Woman was our best movie. Yeah, that would really, really yeah. shoot them in the foot. And I don't actually even think, like, it would shoot them in the foot in the literal sense of, like, oh, crap, like, your literal title star of Wonder Woman is leaving yeah. your movie. But I think it would also shoot them in the foot in terms of just, like, fan credibility. Right. Where I know, like, I'm I'm a very big DC person, despite the fact I'm wearing a Deadpool shirt right now. Um you know, in my in my office, I have uh, like a portrait of like Green Lantern. Like I have Green Lantern shoes. I'm like a mega DC person. Um, I would honestly have a really hard time picking up like a DC comic or or buying back into anything in the DC EU um, or the DCCU. Whatever it's called. Anyways, I would have a really hard time buying into that if if it was kind of just point blank like, yes, we see Gal Gadot like trying to stand in solidarity with these these victims. Um, one of which apparently I, I was looking up was like a 19 year old model that Brett Ratner allegedly um, she fell asleep on his couch at a party and he wouldn't let her leave until like she like performed sexual acts on him. He also was the individual who outed Ellen Page apparently in like Hollywood and then eventually like leaked to the press. Yeah, when and, she was like a teenager. Yeah, she when was she, like I think 18. she was like 18 or 19 years old. Um, but yeah, no, I would lose a lot of respect for DC if if they ended up kind of saying, yeah. you know what, we're going to keep Ratner because the money is is greater than sort of this, this message. But at the same time, I mean, what what is what is DC kind of responsible for here because I mean to to a point DC as a whole really they have partial control over the movies but I don't really know yeah. how much they have control over like this expanded universe or this the cinematic universe mm-hmm. so I mean it's great to see an actress at least from my personal standpoint it's great to see an actress kind of like being very vocal about this I know that more and more people have become more and more vocal as time has gone on so I'm very interested to put it I guess lightly to see how this one plays out mm-hmm. but Another hard and sharp segue about being interested. Um, you put down on on our list today that Amazon is greenlighting a Lord of the Rings TV series. Yeah, it's. I have not heard anything about this, and the, I kind of want to scream because it's super cool. If true, there were rumors about it, and people were like, "Why would you do this?" Because there's three amazing movies and three not so amazing movies about Lord of the Rings. Why would you do this? It's just undermining all that. But then I read. Another article today, if you're noticing a pattern, I find articles online, talk about them here. But <laughs> basically, it's going to be like a prequel. It's going to be set before Fellowship of the Ring. Okay. I'm not 100% sure how far back they're going to go. They've kind of been uh, playing fast and loose with Tolkien's world with like Shadow of War. Mm-hmm. I know like some of the criticisms of that are like, that's not remotely close to what Tolkien envisioned. There's only like three Balrogs and you kill five of them in the game or whatever. So the que- I mean, the big question, do we want this or do we care? Because I personally don't. Okay. To be honest with you. That's fair. Like the, the three, like the first three movies were my first memory of them is when I watched them. I had, I got an extended cut from somebody. Like they gave me like, oh, this yeah, like huge, the 12 hour, they gave me this like, huge yeah. like DVD set. And like, here you go. Yep. I didn't know that they were the extended cuts. So like every time I watched them like on TV, I was like, Oh, why are they missing that scene? Why are they missing that scene? So like, and they were really, really good and they were really long and I enjoyed them. And I feel like just adding stuff onto this and I'm not hundred percent sure what else Amazon makes for TV and if it's any good. So, I'm actually blanking, but I know Amazon had a TV series recently. That they do the uh, 
the weird dystopia. Is no it a man has... in the high castle or oh, something yeah, like that? that? Um, there was another one. It's like the weird. All the ladies are dressed like the forties or whatever. There was well, they they tanked a show uh, earlier last year, or last year this year. Um, I thought they tanked a show. It's not Girl Boss. I think they have that still going for them. And I know that they do Transparent. Um, but oh, I'm blanking on it. I it was look, it I, was a, it was a like female Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale. Well, they Hulu? do do that, uh, but I also think that's Hulu. Okay, that's Hulu. And you can see how much. But like that kind of raises your point though, as to like how much of a splash would an Amazon TV show actually make? Right. Because I would argue. That, I mean, I've never done anything with Amazon TV. Yeah, I mean, I literally only started doing stuff with Hulu because, as I found out the other day via email, if you are a student who subscribes to Spotify Premium, you also get Hulu for free. So, might have to do both of those. And Spotify Premium for students is $4.99 instead of like the $10 that you have to pay. So, shout out to anybody who has a cmish.edu email that also includes any faculty or staff. If you register with that, your Spotify goes down to like four bucks a month. So, don't mean to give free advertising for Spotify, but that also lets you catch up on on some pretty neat, unique TV shows that I know that they have on there. Um, But yeah, no. What you were saying, though, about the Lord of the Rings thing, um, so it, it is confirmed that it will not have anything to do with, with any of the established they, established Lord of the Rings stuff. Because when you say prior to Fellowship, I mean, could they still play around with, um, with like, Bilbo and stuff like that? And, like, maybe. The, the, the company, like, Thorin? And, um, maybe. Um, I or mean, was it kind of still vague? It was, it was kind of vague in the description of it, but... I guess, like, the big thing people were worried about was, like, are they going to redo the movies in a TV show that might not be good, which they're not doing. Okay. Which is a relief, personally, because don't mess with a good thing. So, I mean, it'll be interesting, but honestly, I could take it or leave it. I'm just really curious because, I, I don't know. I mean, th- this could go in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And, again, this is kind of a take it or leave it, I feel like. There's so many other Tolkien books that are in the same universe. Uh, the Sal- I'm going to pronounce this wrong because I've only ever read it, but the Salmarillion. Something like that. Cimmerillion. Cimmerillion. Or something like that. Um, I know that's up there. I know he has a whole couple of other books just on, like, the history of how, like, that world started mm-hmm. um, and all of the sort of forces that be which played a role in crafting the orcs and the elves and the hobbits and stuff like that. So I feel like... Maybe that level of extended world building could be kind of cool, but I suppose it's another just case of, well, sounds real neat, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. So, but anyways, moving into our main segment this time around, we mentioned it briefly during our title credits, our title opener, I suppose, since credits come at the end, but uh, our Amazon talks kind of bring a good segue into this. Uh, This week, we thought we'd kind of take a bit of a different approach. We usually have one type of set topic, so... Uh, talking about specifically the Justice League film or specifically, you know, Stranger Things. Uh, this week, we decided we were going to take a di- bit of a turn because of Fantasticon coming to town. Um, and if you hadn't gotten a chance to read about the history of Fantasticon or kind of their mission, uh, you can go back and pick up an old copy of CM Life or read it online at cm-life.com. But we thought we'd give a shot at talking about the bigger picture topic of sort of affordability in geek culture. I know that's been a really big issue uh, for 
me personally, friends I've had where they feel like they want to break into something, but they feel like they just don't have the money to do so. So I thought I'd kind of take it back kind of further than where we're at right now. Steve, when did you first become a geek or or interested in, in oh, geek culture? Well, when I was little, little in like elementary school, I got really into like Pokemon. That was like my first geeky thing. And then I discovered Star Wars, like slowly got into it. Like I remember like one of my, my earliest Star Wars memory is seeing the the old school Samurai Jack animated Clone Wars on TV. Okay. And I, I do had remember no that. idea what it was. And mm-hmm. those are amazing, by the way. It's uh-huh. like I like that more than the new one. Anywho. Uh and I remember a cutout of Darth Maul scaring me as a kid in the party <laughs> store because he looked real scary. But then one thing led to another, and then I was really obsessed with Star Wars. And then, I don't know, in like high middle school and high school, I started getting into more like superhero stuff. But I've never been like super into one thing. Like I've never read like a ton of Spider-Man or like a ton of Star Wars comics. I've always been like, I know a little bit about Star Wars. I know a little bit about Marvel. I know a little bit about Pokemon and I know a little bit about this and that. So, yeah. But if you had to, if you had to look at everything you've ever bought. So, for instance, you, you collect comics right not really but like you okay i suppose it was a a bad bad segue into that but like you when you are interested in something how do you predominantly read about it watch it play it like what do you do do you typically go out and you'll buy it or do you pirate it or borrow it Uh, well marvel movies i'll always go to the to the theater probably two or three times each movie star wars is the same um I buy, or I, I used to buy a lot of like Star Wars like merchandise, like lightsabers and action figures and stuff. Um, I do want to get into comics. It's just, it's not a matter of like affordability. It's just I'm not sure where to start because there's like so much of everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, here's like 50 different Captain America comics you can read, or like 50 different Iron Man comics you could read. But I guess that is kind of going into like the affordability thing. Like comics aren't cheap mm-hmm. for somebody who wants to get into it. They're them. about four bucks a comic yeah. too. So I know this past weekend, I personally went to Comic-Con. I'm sorry, Fantasticon. Uh, I was having that argument with somebody earlier. Where it was like, it's the rectangles versus squares thing where, like, Fantasticon is a Comic-Con, but not all Comic-Cons are Fantasticon. So if I accidentally call it Comic-Con, um, that's what I mean is Fantasticon uh, in Mount Pleasant. But I went there this past weekend. I was only there for probably about an hour and a half to two hours. Uh, my boyfriend and I ended up showing up pretty late on a Sunday. Um, and we ended up making a couple, like, really big hauls while there. Um, We ended up getting, like, a signed Darth Vader number one. We ended up getting um, uh, George Lucas's original Star Wars script made into comic film. I'm sorry, made into from the film to comics, so it goes from issue zero to issue. I have issue zero to eight. Um, There might be nine. I actually have not looked very hard into that because it was slugged as zero through nine, but... There were only eight. So somebody there. made a comic of the original script. Yes. Of like how different it is from like. Yes. Yeah, so like. Oh, that's cool. There was um so like Anakin and Luke, at least from my understanding of reading it thus far, don't seem to actually be related. Yeah, and one of them's like old, right? It's like yeah, a sixty Luke, year old. Luke is Luke looks kind of like Alec Guinness oh, okay. in uh, New Hope, and Anakin's last name is not Skywalker; it's Star Killer. Okay. Um, which then actually made me wonder if Starkiller Base from the new one was kind of a throwback to that. Yeah. Um, Force Unleashed and Force Awakens did that. Did they? Yeah. Okay. All right. I have. That's what I mean. Is mm-hmm. Force Awakens. Um, but I didn't know Force Unleashed did that. 
Yeah, he's his like code name is Starkiller. Oh no, nope, I didn't know yeah. that. Okay, that's a lie. I played that game for like twenty five seconds one time. I was like, wow, this is boring. It was fun on the Wii, but was it okay? Yeah, was well, like, not was... <laughs> totally what we're talking anyway. about, though. We digress. Um, but my point being is that we ended up with with a bunch of different stuff in our hands. We ended up probably roughly close to about two hundred dollars worth of just sheer comics, like in our hands. Um, and we were lucky enough that we had ended up talking to the vendor. And we had uh, kind of struck up a conversation with him. We were his last customers of the day. He could see that uh, we were really just, like, super excited about the finds that we were getting. And he actually made a little bit of a comment of, you know, oh, well, like, you guys don't seem like you are, like, people who are going to buy this and then turn around and mark it up to some kids for, like, 20 bucks more. Mm-hmm. It's like, so I'm going to cut you a deal. So we ended up getting all of these comics, roughly probably about 25 to 30 in total, for a about $70, which was, like, crazy. But then that just kind of made me stop and think about the idea of affordability in geek culture um, and sort of the affordability and issues that people face when trying to break into, you know, if you want to learn more about Civil War. Yeah. And you would have to go and you would have to read all the different Civil War runs that there were. And and at $3.99 to $4.99 a piece, like, you're looking at that upwards. Up. Like, yeah, you're looking at probably close to, like, well, I don't actually know off the top of my head how many Civil Wars there even are, uh, like single issue runs, I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're looking at spending like a hefty amount of money um, and you end up kind of almost, I would reckon, falling out of geek culture because I, I had that issue in high school um, pretty badly where I collected comics in middle school uh, and up until probably like my sophomore year of middle school. And then when I had to start saving for like gas money, I had to start saving for like college and stuff like that. I had to kind of take a look at like savings and I had to end up sort of realizing what I had to scale back and, and what I couldn't afford anymore. But I think with Fantasticon, which was really helpful, uh, especially because I think student tickets were like eight dollars yeah, or something it was, like it that. It was pretty inexpensive. They were it was it was crazy cheap. Um and I know that our boss, uh Dave Clark said that uh, it was probably close to like three or four thousand people that like went, I think, on the Saturday that he went, like a a decent number of people were there, Um, which really goes to show, though, that you have this crowd that wants to be a part of geek culture. Yeah. um, But doesn't or don't really have the the funds to to go to those bigger places. So like New York, like New York's Comic Con or San Diego Comic Con, uh, where I know I've had friends who have waited in line or or paid waited in line for like hours and hours and hours just to see one person and spend $75 for a photo and a picture I'm sorry that's the same thing for a photo and an autograph um or paid you know yeah. out the wazoo for a one-day ticket like, like I'd love to meet Stan Lee but I'm not gonna wait three hours and pay an exorbitant amount of money to do it yeah no which then kind of I'm seeing that. So that was that was a really big issue for a really long time with with the comic world, and I'm seeing that recently with. Have you been following the news about Battlefront Two? Yeah, I oh, big time. If you want to talk about that in a little bit, we can. But yeah, I no, have. that that's actually kind of what I want to segue into, though, is that I feel like what started as sort of co- comics being the, this thing that kind of went first in terms of I shouldn't say affordability because it, it's only again it's like four or five dollars to go pick up a comic. Mm. Uh, and, and at face value, that doesn't seem like a whole lot. That's one pizza. I use I use the pizza method to determine whether or not I want to spend a lot of money on something. But, you know, when you're reading several different runs at a time, you know, your one trip to the store can end up with you 
may be grabbing 10 issues and at, you know, including tax, we'll say we round up everything to $5 an issue. You grab 10 issues, that's 50 bucks at the store. And if you go twice a week, that's a hundred bucks a month on comics. That's about a third of my rent right there just on comic yeah, books that I might read one time if the run's not particular, particularly spectacular, if I'd say that five times fast. Um, but but I only noticed that at first with comics. And then, you know, you'd have your games, but those had like replay values. So you'd spend, you know, $40 on Shadow of Mordor mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, and you you would have replay value in that or you would have time where it would you'd have 70 hours worth of gameplay or something like that if you really went through and tried to do like every single quest. And um, now I'm noticing it sort of like trickle down more and more into – like your games and and your your TV shows, so like to to watch Lord of the Rings, like you'd have to pay for your an Amazon Prime account when mm-hmm. you to to watch Amazon TV, and I'm really wondering if that's gonna kind of be a problem for geek culture in the future. Is yeah, I mean, so for those of you who don't know about the issues with Battlefront, that that fans are kind of raising a little bit of hell about Steve, just kind of heavy side. So I'm gonna let him take it away from here. So this blew up. Uh, yesterday and t- today, big time. Yes. So uh, people were, I guess they have early access to Battlefront. And during the beta, how it worked was, um, unlike the first game, if you wanted to get a hero, say Darth... Okay, Darth Maul's in this game, but he wasn't in the first game. If you wanted to play as Darth Maul, the first game would have you go find some token mm-hmm. on the battlefield, and you'd play as him for like a couple minutes. But then this new game has what's called Battle Points. So... During a match, you score enough kills or you play the objective long enough and you get enough points to be in a starfighter or a walker or play as a couple heroes, which in and of itself is fine because it's like the people that are actually good and get enough points, they deserve to have some sort of reward and play as Darth Maul. But then with the full game being released, some of the heroes are locked behind like a credit wall and Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker are... They cost 60,000 in-game credits each, which is ridiculous. And it's like a ton of grinding to mm-hmm. unlock like challenges and play the campaign, which is which is fine. I do want to play the campaign because it seems interesting. But just like the fact that you have to earn points to unlock them and then earn points in-game to play as them. And that made a lot of people angry. And there's uh, like loot boxes that... There's a lot of like actual real world microtransactions in the game. Like you have to pump like in addition to spending. I mean, I bet when it comes out, it's going to be what? Like your typical game. So like 50, 60 dollars. Yeah. So you spend your 60 dollars. You boot up Battlefront. You realize that you got to do a bunch of grinding to get your characters. But then there's also a lot of like actual in-game microtransactions. If you want this cool. To be fair, they did take out like the improvements to your character. They took those out of the boxes. So there's like no weapons and there's no abilities in the boxes. But still, if you want extra stuff, you can either grind away at it, or you can just set you can just chuck EA twenty dollars, and then you have more loot crates. And that uh, EA actually went on Reddit today defending it, and it is the most downvoted comment on Reddit of all time. It has like negative three hundred and some thousand karma. Does it really? It okay. does. I found it today. And what it's, what was the the gist of it? Uh, I'll see. I'm, I'm not I'm actually, not asking you to go like word for word for it, but. Something it was to the effect of uh oh shoot. It was like, oh well we we want players to have like a sense of accomplishment in earning like these characters and going through all this trouble to earn them and it like it was a whole thing. I couldn't 
tell you like the whole specifics of it, but people were not happy. So people aren't happy. And do you think that this at all has any bearing on the uh, the the fact of like grinding or do you think it's more with like I paid $60 for a game. I shouldn't have to pump $20 into a game every that's, single time I want to do something in addition to. That's the big thing um, because there's people defending the decision to have like locked characters because it's like, oh, I want some sort of progression in my game. Right, because that was one of the main problems with, with the yeah. first Battlefront was that you played it for about 25 minutes and you're like, you've played everything. Okay, like that's it. Yeah. So. But it's just... The, and EA keeps doing it. They do it with game after game after game. They do it with Battlefield. They do it with Battlefront. They do it with all their sports games, especially. Mm-hmm. And it's just this model that they keep like sucking money out of like the players. Mm-hmm. And it's starting to turn. And a lot of people were canceling their pre-orders for Battlefront because they're like, "I'm not supporting your awful business model just because I want a new Star Wars game." So. So, but then that kind of brings. My question back to our original topic, because I know we we kind of extrapolated on Battlefront a little bit, um, and I was talking a little bit about the idea of constantly pumping your money into comics. I mean, do you think this affordability issue, um, which I personally feel it's an issue, do you feel like affordability is an issue within geek culture? I think it's definitely an issue, yeah. Okay. Especially mm-hmm. with, I mean, like you said, the comics, and some some games are better about it. Some games, there's a lot of microtransactions. I know we mentioned briefly Shadow of War has a lot of micro, has a lot of microtransactions in it. Battlefront, uh, there's, there's Have I been more. mispronouncing that game? Because I have... What? I ha- So Shadow of War, is that... Because it's been forever it's since It's like Middle Earth, Cole, and Shadow of War. Okay, because I called it Shadow of Mordor, I think, earlier. That was another game. Was it? Okay. Yeah, it was All like right. a, a So I don't cool. feel dumb now. I have actually played that game, yeah. and I... Okay, I was really afraid I misspoke. But... Um, what, I mean, what do you think would be kind of like the future, or what are we looking at in the future in terms of affordability if we keep trending like this? Because I personally think, I think there's either going to be one of two things. We're going to see what we're seeing with EA right now, where we're having this issue of fans and players and just interested parties who may, who would maybe pick up the game until they found out that like, oh, wow, I have to pump like $25 into the game every time I want to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're either going to see a mass like outcry almost of like, Hey, I'm not going to continuously pump you money. Like I'll just go play something else or I'll torrent your game. Um, or we're going to see exactly that where people are going to turn more to online. Like I'm going to torrent your game. I'm going to torrent your comics. Cause I know I personally, like in recent years I've actually turned and I probably shouldn't like admit this on a podcast, but I've turned to just like kind of online. Uh, I'm in like a small like Tumblr like community where um, I follow a blog that will like repost uh, runs of like, oh, here's an old run of like, here's Batman, here's Nightfall or something like that. Or here's, Mm -hmm. you know, the Spider-Man Civil War, like Spider-Man Civil War issues. And here it is on like a, a rapid share file and you can download it and read it on a comic reader on your laptop. And so I've been doing that just simply because, one, I move a decent amount as a college kid going after internships. And, two, it's just easier because the amount of time I would pump into going to the store, driving, picking out a comic, paying you however much money to get a run, coming back, and then reading it in about 20 minutes. Right. Like, so I feel like we're going to trend one of two ways. We're going to go completely online or it's just going to, like, peter out and people are just going to stop paying into it. I think – 
on the comics end, um, there are there's a few companies right now that are like it's basically Netflix for comic books. You pay them like X amount of, a month, and they Isn't have it like just X comics. It's or like something? Comicsology or something. Okay, and then yeah. It's like a huge database of comics that like they have like the rights to share, I guess, because there's a lot of like. Not like your big Marvel and DC comics, but there's people that make like James Bond comics and TMNT comics and like. I actually think that's how I found out stuff. about The Walking Dead. Yeah. Was Comicsology used to do like one free download, mm-hmm. like a day, and one time was Walking Dead issue number one was their one free download. Yeah, so I feel like that's gonna gain more traction because I'm not 100. percent I know some Marvel and DC are on them because I've heard people talk about it. Like, oh, I read this Batman on the on my iPad or whatever. So I feel like. That is gonna start picking up more steam if comics keep going the way they are, like hard copies. Like, oh, I can't afford to buy trade after trade after trade of Batman. I'll just pay this ten bucks a month and read all of it. Well, cause see, cause that's where I think. Um, just because you were just talking about trades, I think that that's where comics tried to like self improve. Was instead of being like, here's fifteen issues of something, or here's you know ten or twelve issues of something. Um, combining it into trades and just making you pay, pay a flat fee of like 20 bucks mm-hmm. for like, oh, here's, you know, X month, here's Nightfall part one and part two. And together it's maybe about seven issues in part one and seven issues in part yeah. two. And if you're looking at like $5 an issue, $4 an issue, um, you're, you're saving money in the end. I think that comics have started to try and self-write themselves. Um, I know when I was talking to people at Fantasticon about this, actually, that's what um, a couple of vendors were saying was that. They're seeing way more trade sales now than they are individual issue sales. Um, but so I'm wondering when, if at all, that's going to catch on with games. Because I know, at least in the field of getting a little more nerdy, like MMOs, mm-hmm. uh, massive multiplayer online role-playing games. Um, for those who don't know, MMORPGs. Um, a lot of uh, MMOs that started out with paywalls, like World of Warcraft, like... They dropped their their subscription. I shouldn't say paywalls. It was you had to subscribe to WoW, and then you could play an unlimited amount. And I know that that was an issue for some people for a while. So then they dropped their like you have to pay. And then now there there are also in game transactions to help you know boost money. But they kind of righted themselves on that front. So I'm wondering how long until video games kind of stop with this whole in game transaction because I feel like you would see more higher sales in the long run if you just let people pay their $60 and right. left them alone yeah, for maybe it. tap them every once in a while for like hey we have an update if you want to spend three bucks on it four bucks on it right but I just think the idea of like yeah. this whole in-game buying more things using real money yeah. I just think in the end it really doesn't pay off just make a good game and have it all there at the start and then people will buy more copies because it's a good game that's true. Like, I mean, maybe not more copies, but more, at least more content. Because yeah. I would buy into a series more, like Mass Effect. I uh, I ended up getting DLCs for it because I was just so bought into the characters. Whereas like Battlefront, I haven't put a single dime into any of it. I know my little brother wants to like use money to to get more things in it, and also he's looking at Battlefront two and kind of like salivating over like the loot crates. It's like. But you're 11 and you don't have to worry about bills. So let's not pay right. for things on this game. But, I mean, where where do you think, like, games and, and movies and stuff like that are trending? I think the games, is just, it's just going to be enough outcry from people and they're going to, something will change. Because, I mean, you saw that even between Battlefront 1 and 2. Because 2 still has its flaws. I mean, there's people calling me a filthy casual on mm-hmm. my comment on EA right now. 
because I commented and I said, this model's dumb, just do what you did in the beta, and they're like, you're a dumb casual. But enough people are, like, saying stuff like that where EA next time will, like, they'll tweak something, and then eventually I feel like it could be, like, a death by a thousand cuts, and they'll just finally cave, and they'll be like, fine, we'll stop. But you just, you look at the difference between one and two. Mm-hmm. Battlefront 2 has, like, two or three times the content. And well, like, it has an actual storyline, yeah, doesn't it? and, like, an actual campaign and, like, all the stuff that people said, where is this in the first game? They, you, they released an incomplete yeah, game. Like, Let's be frank. Everybody was so hyped because they were reviving this franchise that, like, people loved. Like, in the early 2000s, like, Battlefront 2 from 05. I still have Battlefront 2 from 05 and it religiously play it. It yeah. still holds up. It's so good. It's a great so party game. when... People saw that DICE was working on a new one, and it was like, oh my god, this looks so good. It sounds like perfect. And then EA was like, here's half a game. Oh, you want more content? That'll be 50 more dollars. And people were like, what's up with this? This is BS. We're not going to stand for this. Mm -hmm. So they took that criticism and adjusted it accordingly. So now Battlefront 2 actually has multiple eras and heroes on on a different model and the actual content in the DLC is free. So I feel like it, it just takes it takes fans going directly to the developers and saying, hey, we don't like your crappy model. You need to change something. So then how are you personally doing in terms of, like, combating affordability as somebody who's very into, like, nerd-related things? Uh, I guess it would just be not supporting the, the business models of things that cost people money. Although that's very hypocritical because I am buying Battlefront 2 because it looks so good. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna buy it. I have my problems with EA, but I'm not going to do any pay-to-play for it. I'm not buying any extra stuff. Just buying the game. I didn't buy, like, the Elite Edition. I'm just paying my $60, and I'm getting out and playing. <laughs> I'm playing but, one hand. I'm getting out. Yep. But, I mean, it, it is tough because, like, regardless... They make good content, and you want to pay money for it because it looks good. So I, it's just like a, I guess it's a it's personal a vicious call. cycle yeah. and a personal personal type of thing. Yeah. So, but I guess it's kind of just like one of those things that you know you could talk about this till we're both blue in the face. There really isn't going to be a, a set answer, I suppose. Just as as the nature of the game of nerd culture kind of opens up to larger and larger audiences, you're going to expect to see these types of companies kind of salivate at the idea of getting more and more people to not just buy their product, but buy into their product. Um, and whether that's, you know, doing pay-to-play type of thing or whether that's, you know, okay, you paid your $60 for half a game, you know, get the other half, you know, with another $60. Or, hey, you know, here's a comic series. You have to spend $50 more just to complete half of, you know, a run. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we could argue about that until we're blue in the face. And I guess there really isn't a right answer. But I guess at the end of the day, I would just urge people to – Support those creators who have, like, fan best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. Support those creators who understand that we are all just broke college kids in the end, right. regardless of if you're 14 or 53. Nobody can really afford all of these comics all of the time or all of these games and stuff like that. So I guess this isn't, like, a, a monologue about, like, don't buy anything, torrent everything, yeah. um, but more of just, like, support your local creators and support those who are really trying to give back to you. Yeah, for sure. Like, support, and again, on, like, the video game end, like, the smaller developers that 
you always see bigger companies like EA swallowing up and inevitably killing. Like, support those smaller companies that are making different types of games. Because that's... Because when they don't do well, that's the reason that they get absorbed by the big companies that we don't like, like EA. <laughs> and that also leads back to your Fantasticon in the yeah. end, that, you know, that small con that's really just trying to be out there the best that it can be for uh, people who, who really can't afford to go to those yeah. bigger cons. And I will say that it's actually one of the better conventions that I have been to yeah, in, that in was the like, past couple of years. Their whole tagline was like, we know, like, the big conventions are expensive. You only have to pay, like, this thing to get in and it's like eight bucks compared to like 40 to get into like the comic-con in detroit or whatever yeah i've i've gone to YomaCon, i've been to motor city comic-con i've been to great lakes comic-con i actually worked uh i worked motor city comic-con and i've worked great lakes comic-con um one time at a booth for great lakes and one time running a D booth i ran a comics comics booth at great lakes and uh, i assisted at a dungeons and dragons booth at motor city um and just being able to get in for free by virtue of being an employee there um, who, like, I worked half the day and then was able to walk around. I know the one year I was there working the D&D booth for Motor City, um, I believe William Shatner was there that same year. And it was just absolutely outrageous, like, listening to, to the amount of money that people were asked to pay it was, like, $50 for a photo. I think yeah, Carl yeah. Urban was there, too, from Star Trek, the, the guy who plays the new McCoy. And it was, like, 35 for a photo and another, like, 15 for an autograph or, like, for a for an extended, like, package. It was, like, $75 or it was, like, yikes. Okay. But I suppose in the end we'll just see how this trends out because I feel like the more expensive you're going to make things, the harder this is going to hit those people like you and me who really want to be fans but really are not on you know, yeah. the dime or ability to do something like that. So we will wrap this episode up real quick with our normal reading, watching, playing segment. So, Steve, what are you reading, watching, or playing? Well, kind of going into what we'll be talking about in the next couple of weeks, Justice League and The Punisher come out this week. So I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to slog through BVS once again. I'm going to watch the ultimate cut to see if it kind of helps with my hatred of BVS and Zack Snyder because I don't like either one of them. So hopefully it's better. I've heard it's better, so we'll see. And I'm also going to watch every episode of Daredevil that had the Punisher in it. Okay. Because the Punisher's coming out, and I'm real excited for that. When is that so, When is that drop date again? Friday. It, it is this Friday? Yep. Okay, wow. So, yep, we'll talk about Justice League probably next week and then the Punisher the week after. So don't hate me because my reading, watching, playing is is kind of like what am I not doing? Um, I have been so slogged down with school and with work that I have not actually been able to really sink my teeth into anything this past week. I started reading Stephen King's It, too, as well, a little bit, so I, I really didn't get a chance to do much. Um, I still have not seen Thor Ragnarok. Boo. I know, no, I know. I made We made plans this weekend to go and see it, and it fell through, but I will say... In the meantime, I have watched What We Do in the Shadows again, and it still held up and was just as funny as it was the first time. I actually watched it in a class. I'm in a I'm in a horror novel class. I'm in a mm. I'm in a horror literature class. Um, it's like Monsters and Their Meanings, taught by uh, Dr. Bill Wandless here, um, and 
I was the only person laughing the entire time at that movie, which if you've ever been in a scenario where you're watching a movie with a group of people and you are the only person laughing, you never know like true embarrassment until you're in that scenario where like we uh, we watched the one part with the dinner scene where he's like, eat some biscotti. And I was like yeah. losing my mind in the back of the class when like they're chasing the like ex-boyfriend around the house, the house. Yeah. and and the Vlad uh, ends up taking the form of the cat and like he has that problem where he can't turn his face into oh, the yeah. animal face and it's like it's Jerome or Jermaine Clemens face like superimposed on the body of like a cat yeah. I was like cackling in the back of this class and everyone's like are you okay I was like why do you not find this funny <laughs> this is clearly like peak humor this is peak humor and like nobody actually laughed until the we're werewolves not swearwolves part and I was like <laughs> okay like there's some there's some hope still to be had, but yeah, you never know true true mortification until you're the only one laughing in an entire class over a movie. I don't know how people don't like Taika. He's my favorite. That was no, yeah. So that that really made me want to go and watch Thor this weekend, but then it just never actually went through. It's real good. So I might try and go tonight. Not not quite sure. Uh, by the time this episode airs, I might have already seen it, but don't hold your breath. Yeah. So well, m- movies at celebration they're really cheap on tuesdays are they really yes i went and saw logan like last year and it was like don't quote me on like the The actual price actual price but it was cheaper than like going on like a friday or saturday really yeah okay yeah that's on my list and then i still need to see power rangers for weirdly enough like just pulling like a random movie that i didn't see it dropped when i was in moscow and Really wanted to see it, didn't get around to it because I was like, I don't have the lexicon to understand Russian Power Rangers. Um, so didn't get a chance to see that. And then the other day, my roommate told me, I think you might have also told me this as well, that Billy from Stranger Things is the Red Power the Ranger, Red Ranger yep. which like threw me for a loop because I was like, no. And she's like, yeah. She's like, Billy's the Red Ranger. I was like, no, she's like, yes, you have to like, go and see it now. Um, and I also didn't realize that that actor is Australian. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. Australian. I did not realize that until I saw an interview with him and the guy that plays Steve. So I was like, wow, you are literally nothing like I thought you were like. So I want to see you in another role and figure out if I actually hate you or if you're just really good at playing yeah, I a mean, jerk. People don't really like that movie, but I do. Really? I, yeah, they were like, oh, it's over the top and it's dumb and there's a bunch of product okay, placement. Okay, but that's Power, it's that's Power, Power Rangers. Rangers. Yeah. Power Rangers. Like, if you've ever watched an actual episode of Power Rangers, it's dumb, over the top, backflipping, like, like they took, stupid slang, like, oh they, my God. Just, they, oh they, my God. They took a, an original episode of Power Rangers and remade it with a budget of $100 million. <laughs> and it's beautiful. And That is everything that is anything. If somebody had to sell that movie to me, I God, that would be the sentence to sell it they to They do the scene with the Zords, like, running across that, like, generic <gasps> landscape with, like, this, God. like, metal go-go Power Rangers in the background. Bless and my friend America. and I were sitting there, and we're like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> <sighs> okay. All right. So. Well, on that note, I'm glad we could end this on a positive after talking about, you know, the woes of living being, in a capitalistic society that feeds off of our nerd culture. Being poor and also being a nerd <laughs> Being poor sucks. and being a poor nerd. So, uh... Let's uh, take it away, Steve. Where can they listen to the rest of our episodes, if interested? You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Raving Geeks. You can also find us on iTunes with Central Michigan Life Podcast with all the other podcasts we do and on CM Life's website. 
Yep, and you can find us there at cm-life.com. Until next time, guys. Thank you.